0: Well, good morning. good morning. It's been a year since I've seen you guys.
1: <laughs>
0: Sorry about that. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh my goodness! The snow, the snow, Sunday. The snow day Sunday, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty much like a toboggan run out here, but over the over the holiday. Um, In fact, it was just yesterday, my grandson Jonah, most of you know Jonah, he is cut from a whole different cloth. He's a character. He gets it from his father who gets it from his mother, so, anyhow, Jonah comes in the house and he goes, hey, grandma and grandpa, I have tickets. I said, to what? He goes, to the great Jonah bike show. He'd gotten a a, a new to him bicycle from his older brother and, and, uh. He was all excited, and it has rear brakes. It doesn't have the regular pedal brake, so it's like a step up for him. So I said, okay. So he says, you got to come outside, and you got to see this. This is epic. Okay. So we go outside, and he's riding around, and he'd lift one leg up, coast a little bit, lift the other leg up, and it's like, woo and he takes off through the woods, and he rides around, and he comes back, and he said, now, and I can tell he's making this up on the fly, and he says, now you're going to see the greatest trick ever. And I can't remember what he called it, but it was the Jonah something. And and he took off down the driveway. Now, our driveway's not super steep, but it's long, and it slopes pretty good, and then it makes a corner. And he takes off. First, he starts out with one leg up, one leg down, doing the, you know, little Jonah show. And all of a sudden, his bike really picked up speed, and now he gets into the high-speed wobble. And he's screaming like a second-grade girl. And my wife and I are like looking at each other, like, no, not on our watch. And he's screaming and hooting and hollering, and he pulls through the corner and rides out of sight and never crashed. Comes back up the hill like he'd done it every day. And I said, You're like one of those weebles that wobble, but they don't fall down. And he looks at me like, What is that, Grandpa? He said, That was just part of the show. Oh my goodness. Oh. What, a man-child? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> oh, you got to love him, man. Um, yeah, he's like Calvin and Hobbes, you know, he's like, you see him setting something up and you go, you know, that could possibly kill you and six other kids at the same time, so let's not go there. How come? It <laughs> yeah, probably experience, but hey, you know, this time of year, I typically cast a vision. And you know, we've been, I started speaking last year, that sounds so weird, about the greatness of the gospel. And I think all of us can agree that the gospel is incredibly great and incredibly powerful. I, I have always felt that the gospel must always be relevant, it must always be transformative, the gospel that we speak, and I believe that it's also central to our message in everything we do and say. Merriam-Webster says this, says about the word relevant, quote, having significant and demonstrable, uh, a demonstrable bearing on the matter at hand. And certainly that should be and certainly should define the message that we preach wherever we go, but it should always have a bearing on the matter at hand. This morning, I want to speak to the matter at hand. I want to speak to grief, and I want to speak to loss. With your permission, I want to do that because I think it's very appropriate in this moment. Most of you know that Ernie graduated, went to be with Jesus of all days on Christmas. Amazing. Christmas, he went to be in the presence of God. And I know that Ernie is up there now as one of those great cloud of witnesses looking down on us. And he's cheering us on. He believed in the power and the greatness of the gospel. So much that his daughter shared that in his latter moments, he was preaching the gospel. He was preaching Jesus and the woman at the well. And he was laying his hands on his knees as if he was laying hands on others. That's a man who understood the power and the greatness of the gospel. And I'm confident that everyone who entered that room walked into the presence of not only Ernie there, but the presence of Jesus because God was there with him in that room. And this is not a service today about Ernie, but it's about grief and loss and how we process through that because we have to be processing through this stuff in this moment because God has so much for us to do in this coming year, so much for us to do. And if we're still stuck in this mode of of, of grieving and we can't move forward, then we're not going to be very healthy. And I want us to get healthy. And I want us to be healthy as we move on and press into everything that God has for us in this coming season. Amen? You know, grieving is one of those things that is such an individual experience. And most of you probably know that. There is no right or wrong way to grieve. And, and how you personally grieve depends on many different factors in your life, including your personality, your coping style, your life experience, your faith, and probably most importantly, how great or how significant the loss was to you. Most of you know, or some of you know, uh, I buried my brother seven years younger than me about two months ago. I got the call. It was so sudden and quick. <clears throat> How many of us have had those phone calls in this last year? Sudden, quick calls. Now, I'm not talking about loss completely, but maybe incredible, grievous calls where you, you just, oh, I didn't want to hear that. How many? I'm just, I want to make sure, yeah, I'm, okay, I just want to make sure I'm speaking to the right crowd. You know, inevitably, the grieving process, it takes time. And, and my experience has been that healing happens gradually. It can't be forced. It can't be hurried. There is no normal timetable for grieving. There is no drug. People think there is. You just have to walk through this. But you're not alone if you're a believer and you believe in the gospel and the power of, the, of God's word. You're not alone in this process. And that gives us something to lean into. I just know that right now in this moment... A lot of us have experienced a lot of loss very quickly. And it can seem overwhelming, if not be overwhelming. Maybe you received the phone call. Loss. Or something that caused incredible grief in your heart. Maybe you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you did not get the answer that you wanted or you expected. What is God doing? I know with Ernie, Man, we were praying our hearts out, fasting and praying, and, and we'd see these, looks like we got, then down again. And we'd pray again, we'd see, and, and I can only imagine what Glenn and the family was going through in that moment. Just this roller coaster ride of emotions. It's like, God, you got this, yeah. And then you got the news again. It was like, oh, man, well, we're going to keep praying, we're going to keep praying. But all of a sudden, it didn't turn out like we wanted. But I'm telling you, God has different plans. You know, when the prophet Elijah was been on top of Baal with the big duke out and fire burning moment with all the other prophets of Baal, and, and, and he ran after it was all said and done, he ran and he hid, right? And he was gravely disappointed. If you read the word, you'll read, he's got this why me God moment. God, I did everything, I'm the last, I'm the last one. I've done everything you told me to do. I, 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 oh, huh, woe is me. And God said, time out. Now time, God didn't give in to his whining, but God heard his heart. And God said, hold on, here's something you need to know. I'm so much bigger than you, little guy. I've got 7,000 more just like you that are hiding out. You're not the last of the last. There's many more of you. And I could just see the prophet's heart going, oh, that's good. That's good. And he said tell you what. Here's what God did. God gave him an assignment. God said, "I want you to go anoint two kings. I want you to go anoint your next apprentice, which was Elijah." And he said, "Elisha, Elisha. Why didn't it could have been like Rick and Jim or, you know." So, Elijah with the J goes and 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 he anoints the new apprentice. So God gave Elisha, a, design, a, a divine appointment, a, a divine assignment in his greatest moment when he felt he was all alone. He had done everything he could. He probably felt like an incredible failure. He was a wanted man. Jezebel wanted his hide. And God said, Uh uh-uh. uh, I got a plan. Here's what you're going to do. So I believe that in this moment, when we're in our greatest moment of loss and grief, we lean into Jesus, that he's going to begin to download. Divine kingdom plans for you and your life. He has plans for us, guys. God says, I know the plans I have for you. They're not to destroy us. He didn't bring us to this point in time to totally break our hearts and leave us alone. No way. He's got a gazillion things going on behind the scenes that we don't see or know. And that's the only way with like Ernie and other, my brother and other senses of loss and grief that I can deal with is I have to realize that God has something greater. And I'm going to lean into that. I'm gonna lean into the greatness of the gospel because it's a beautiful plan from start to finish. I've read the end; we win. That doesn't mean it's not gonna. Yeah, that doesn't mean it's not gonna be easy. It's hard. It's a tough, rough journey. But I'm telling you, it's time for us to roll our sleeves up. You know, maybe maybe you're one of those people that <clears throat> you're beside yourself at a decision uh, that one of your kids or your your loved ones or someone in your family circle has made. And it's really brought some serious consequences. And you're thinking, how could this happen? Really, God? Why does this just keep... Uh? And again, <clears throat> one of the things I remember Steve Shaw saying, the former pastor, that I always clung to, and he said, you have to remember, people always, when something catastrophic happens, when there's tremendous loss, people tend to always blame God. And they come with this view, like, how could a good God let this happen? If you say and you preach that God is so good, man of cloth, why is this happening to me? Steve was quick to point out, good God, bad devil. The devil is the one that seeks to destroy and devour and, and take us out. We don't know God's mind. We cannot even begin to get inside and understand his mind at all. But we can certainly see his heart as it's revealed in his word. And God is good. And his heart towards us is always good. And his plans are so much better than anything we could ever experience or come up with in life. <clears throat> you know, I, I, the experience of loss, I wrote, is unique to each person. The sadness, the numbness, the shock, the confusion, the anger, the exhaustion. Oh, grief can just wear you out to nothing. Nothing. But all of this hits us all differently. But no matter how you experience grief, here's my main point today. We're going to drill down on this for a few moments. Jesus comes and meets you at your point of need. That's my main point today. Jesus, no matter what the loss, no matter what the grief may be, Jesus, if you're in love with him and you believe in the power of his gospel, he will come to you and he will meet you at your greatest point of need. And that's exactly what Jesus did when Lazarus' sisters were grieving the death of their brother. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 11. We're going to buzz through this. Now I'm not going to read all 600 verses here, but I want to highlight some of that's important. The, the story. Let's let's little context here. <clears throat> Jesus is in this village called Bethany, and it says there was a man named Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary was the one who would anoint Jesus' feet. Now I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Um, NIV is very close, but I just I, I love the way this expresses this particular story. <clears throat> Mary was the one who would anoint Jesus' feet with costly perfume and dry his feet with her long hair. Remember that story? Then one day, Lazarus became very sick to the point of death. So his sister sent a message to Jesus. Lord, our brother Lazarus, the one you love is very sick. Please come. When he heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death for Lazarus but will bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. Most of us are very familiar with this story, but what I want to drill down on is how Jesus addressed Martha and how he addressed Mary, uniquely different. But let's go on. Now, even though Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he remained where he was for two more days. Finally on the third day he said to disciples, Come, it's time to go to Bethany. But teacher, this is <laughs> this almost sounds like a little pessimism or sarcasm to me. They said to him, Do you really want to go back there? It was just a short time ago the people of Judah were Judea were going to stone you. Well, they had been there before, and they were ready to take him out, and they're like, Really? You want to go back there? In fact, in the NIV it talks about, I guess we'll go back and die with you. I mean Okay, they're not getting it, but that's okay. They had not seen this magnitude of miraculous yet. Jesus replied, Are there not 12 hours of daylight in every day? You can go through a day without fear of stumbling when you walk in the one who gives the light to the world. What a powerful, powerful word. But you will stumble when the light is not in you, for you will be walking in the dark. Then Jesus added, Lazarus, our friend, has just fallen asleep. It's time that I go and awaken him. And Jesus goes on to explain to him that, you know, he's not asleep sleep like you guys are thinking. He's, he's dead. He's dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there because now you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust in me. Come, let's go and see him. So when they move on, they arrive at Bethany, and the first person that comes running out to meet him is Martha. And... Martha said to Jesus, my Lord, if you had only had come sooner, if only you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it it for you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. Now listen to her limited understanding at this moment. She says, yes, I know he'll rise with everyone else on resurrection day. Martha, Jesus said, you don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection. He's revealing himself to her in terms of who he really is. And I think it's becoming brighter and brighter in her mind and in her heart and in her spirit who Jesus really is. I am eternal life. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I know Ernie did. And I know Ernie right now is in the presence of God. Amen? Then Martha replied, Yes, Lord, I do. I've always believed that you are the anointed one, the Son of God who has come into the world for us. Then she left and hurried off to her sister Mary and called her aside from all the mourners and whispered to her, The Master is here and he's asking for you. So look how Jesus addresses Mary now. So when Mary heard this, she quickly went off to find him, for Jesus was lingering outside the village at the same spot where Martha met him. Now when Mary's friends who were comforting her noticed how quickly she ran out of the house, they followed her, assuming she was going to the tomb of her brother to mourn. When Mary finally found Jesus outside of the village, she fell at his feet in tears and he said, Lord, she says the very same thing Her sister Martha said, very same thing. She said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. Same thing, she says. Jesus' reply is different than with Martha. He said, when Jesus looked at Mary and he saw her weeping at his feet, all her friends who were with her grieving, he shuddered with emotion. He was overcome with compassion and, 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 and emotion. He was so deeply moved with tenderness and compassion, he said to them, where did you bury them? And they said, Lord, come and we'll show you, they replied. Then tears, the shortest verse in the Bible says, Jesus wept. As Mary wept, Jesus wept. In the, in the Passion, it says, then tears streamed down the face of Jesus So again, if you really dig down and look very close at what's going on here, you'll see they both came to him with the same cry. The NIV says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. However, again, Jesus' response to them was completely different to each of them. was different. It wasn't one size fit all. This is so incredible how caring and loving Jesus is and how well he knows us because he wired us before the stars were spinning, before God created the heavens and the earth. I I don't know how it all works, but I I can just imagine this moment when God's creating us. And he's connecting all this stuff together. And Jesus understands that and he knows that. And it's not one size fits all. That's the greatness of the gospel. It meets you where you're at and it helps you understand what's going on because he understands you. With Martha, Jesus replied by giving her hope-filled truth, saying, I am the resurrection and the life, and the one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Again, Jesus is pointing Martha to the truth of who he is. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace. He gave her hope that there is life beyond the grave because of her faith in him. Amen? But with Mary, Jesus responded differently. Mary came to Jesus and she said exactly what her sister said. She said, Lord, in verse 32, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The Bible also says that Jesus saw her weeping. And it also tells us that he was moved with emotion. He was moved deep within his spirit. Jesus saw her tears. And it moved him. And what happened? He wept. That's amazing to think that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all, would weep with us right beside us. He is so incredibly compassionate. And, it's, and the wonderful news, guys, is that Jesus does the same as he did for Mary Then he does for us today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Remember that. Write that on your hearts. If you ever got a tattoo just saying it's a thought again my main point guys is that Jesus reaches out to us at our greatest point of need he ministers to us personally and he meets all of our unique needs you know if you have difficult questions which I know in this moment some of you have difficult questions some of you are dealing with your own loss and you have questions You know, listen, sit down with Jesus. He will listen. He will guide you to the hope and the truth of God's word. And if you need a good cry, maybe you're like Mary. You need a good cry. You need to crawl up and weep in God's lap and in his presence. And in that moment, he will take that burden from you and he will carry it away. The challenge with grief is it wants to come up again and again. And if you give it to Jesus once, trust that he's going to do something powerful with it. He'll remove it. He'll take it away. But don't keep going back and trying to take it back. That's a challenge. But let it go. And I know that takes time. And how we all process through that is completely uniquely different. So I want to say today, in your grief, in your loss, wherever you're at, what is your greatest need today spiritually? <clears throat> maybe maybe like Martha, you need to be reminded of God's promises. And I just want to read off a few scriptures that you could reflect on. Bill Johnson, whenever he's in this really hard place where he's grieving or something is really tanking his heart, he goes to Psalms and he, and, he and he reads 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 some more until he finds that it's all that all is well with his soul. That's how he does that. I think that's remarkable. Psalms 23, verses 4 and 6. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. This is the power of God's word. You sit down, you open up your heart, and you begin to read. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Repeat. Forever. Forever. Thank you, Cyril. (laughs) Psalms 31, 7. I have seen my troubles, and you care about the anguish of my soul. That is the God that we serve. He knows your troubles. He has seen them. And he cares about the anguish of your soul. Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Loss and grief have a way of crushing your spirit. I'm telling you, God knows. And he's close to you in your brokenness. And he wants to heal you. 2 Corinthians twelve nine, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I love that. Here's the last one I wrote down here. Revelation 21, 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm telling you guys, I've said it before. The systems of Babylon are falling. They're coming down. And God's going to bring a new way and a new path. And this is a year for us to to pull it together and trust God with the issues of our heart and move into all that he has for us. Maybe, Maybe in the end here, you're like Mary. You just need to weep. Again, You need God's presence and the compassionate listening ear of Jesus. Isaiah tells us he is a man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. Well, Jesus just doesn't understand. Are you kidding me? It's not what the word says. He's acquainted with the deepest of grief. Perhaps you need again to talk and to cry out to God. If that's you, then I I ask you in your moment of grief and loss to just pull aside take take the rest area, pull off the freeway, whatever you need to do in your life. And I want you to just sit down and cry out to God. I'm telling you, God hears you. He listens. He cares about your loss. He cares about and he sees those tears. And you know what? He is your refuge, your only safe place in your moment of grief and loss. Psalm 62.8 says, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And I want to finish out with this thought. That in your grief and in your loss, you, my friend, are not alone. You're not alone. In, in God's family, we don't have to grieve alone. We don't have to grieve without hope. We have God's word that helps, keeps us grounded, and it gives us hope. We also have God's presence presence, and and, and the support of his people, our family, to comfort us. One of the biggest mistakes that you make when you're you're really broken and you're all alone is you feel like, I just want to be alone. I get that. And for a moment in a season, I understand that. But there is a moment when maybe, perhaps maybe, you need to reach out and ask for prayer. And God will bring people into your life who will surround you. We have some of the most loving, caring, genuinely awesome people in this room, who understand the power of simply coming alongside others and helping them in their greatest time of need. Through his word, through his spirit and his people, the Lord bears our burden of grief and he walks with us each and every day. Psalm 68, 19 says, praise be to the Lord, to God, our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. As I was writing all this out and reflecting on stuff, God quickened in my heart a moment. And years ago, uh, I used to ride dirt bikes uh, competitively, and I rode with a gentleman named Bob Kirsch. It probably doesn't ring a bell with too many of you, but he was an incredible, incredible man of God. You guys remember Bob and Carol Kirsch? Yeah. Bob held number one plate in his class in, in 60 and over. You have to understand number one plate, that means you're the best of the best. And in his class, he, he outclassed guys younger and younger age groups below him. He just was phenomenal. He, but he gave everything he had, all the glory to God. We'd go to, we'd go to races and stuff, and he would bring his RV and pop out this big thing, and he would have prayer service. He'd invite pastors to come in and pray, because a lot of these races were on Sunday. And he would invite people to come and to pray and to be part of it. And man, Bob was Bob was just a bear of a guy. And, and you'd pull up to ride anytime, even if it was just a fun ride. And he didn't care if you were Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, Baha'i. He didn't care. We're grabbing hands, man. And he'd have everyone would grab hands and he would pray. Well, one time we're on this particular ride up John's Peak, and I'm following Bob, and we come to this and I just see, I just see blue sky. We come up to this lip, and he just kind of stops for a moment, and then just disappears. And I thought, oh my goodness, Bob just died. <clears throat> and I, I, I ride up to him and I look, and there's Bob down at the bottom. What happened was, it was a cliff, and he knew it was there, and it dropped about 20 feet straight down, but it rolled out on the duff at the bottom. So you literally fell, free fall, but you rolled out. It was as smooth as glass. And I'm looking at that, and I'm looking at Bob, and Bob goes, how long have you been riding? I said, for years, since I was a kid. He goes, then, trust your experience. Trust your training. Okay. I remember edging my bike up going, I hope my wife forgives me for this. (laughs) And I remember just rolling off, and it was this free fall, and then rolling out smooth as glass. But God quickened to my heart, trust your training. Trust your experience. Guys, as we move forward in this year, trust what God has placed in your heart. Trust the word that you've been reading. God's going to ask and require of you to do incredible things. But you got to trust in him and everything that he's downloaded into you. This is the season. This is the moment and the time. And, you know, in terms of grief and loss, I want this to be your heart's cry. I want this to be. We're going to play a song. And I want you to stand with me, if you would. And if this is you, you have been experiencing grief, you have experienced loss, and you simply want to step into the presence of God, I want to invite you forward. And we'd love to pray over you, and and we'll be careful. We don't want to offend anyone, but at the same time, I want all of us to leave here knowing that we are not alone. Amen? So let's stand. Steven, do you have that song? Jason had it. Jason disappeared on us. Maybe Jason got raptured, I don't know. <laughs> he had it, he had it in his little iPad. Acapella. Can you sing it for us? <laughs> Probably not. It's a It's a pretty high, pretty high octave. I oh. oh, does anyone know where Jason is? I am not alone. I know. My timing was, oh, there he is. All right, woohoo. He was down at Dutch Bros. It's no big deal, but. I'll be first. Uh, you Thank know, you, Jesus, yeah.
1: Jesus. Thank you, God.